0: Let us pray. Lord God, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. Listen to the word of God. These are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the elders of the exiles and to the priests the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Our second reading this morning comes from the second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel, the gospel for which I am suffering and wearing fetters like a criminal. But the word of God is not fettered. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which in Christ Jesus goes with eternal glory. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithless; for he cannot; he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and charge them before the Lord to avoid disputing about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to prevent, present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Well, in case you didn't read The Citizen this week and see uh, Mark and Mitzi and I on the front page of the newspaper, uh, this church has been here for a very long time, <laughs> is the uh, the short version of that article. We've been here for 150 years. That is a very long time. Uh, when we did that timeline together a few weeks back, we got a great visual of how much change in the world this congregation has weathered, and it, and it can make us wonder that why, after surviving the Civil War, two world wars, the inventions of cars and airplanes and space shuttles and phones, after generations coming and going, why does it feel like now the church is struggling so much to find its place in the world? And I think this is because there's one huge difference between 150 years ago and today. 150 years ago, we were entering solidly into a time of what can be referred to as Christendom. Um, The dictionary defines Christendom as the part of the world in which Christianity prevails. It's when Christianity is assumed to be the practice For everyone. And I say practice very purposefully because there are many people still out there today who self-identify as Christian, but they are only Christian by family affiliation or um, they're in that spiritual but not religious category of folks. Practice means that people are engaging in a local community and living out their beliefs together, and specifically in the case of Christendom, it's this idea that it is just assumed that everyone is practicing, that they're at church on Sunday morning, that they're at Bible study during the week, that that is just the way that they, they live out their lives. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing that Christendom is over in our country. Christendom has, historically, wherever it has been in the world, caused the church to become corrupt and or lazy when it's just assumed that everyone is supposed to be there every week. When the majority of the people around us aren't actually practicing Christians We have to be more creative and faithful in the ways that we interact with one another and with scripture and with the community around us. When it's not just assumed that everyone goes to church because that's what they're supposed to do, we can be pretty confident that those who are here want to be here, enjoy being here Find something wholesome and healthy and holy about being here. It's actually a pretty exciting time to be church. Because we get to be in on the ground floor of this new thing that God is creating out of the ashes of the past. Now, it's also a hard, confusing, and sometimes sad time to be church We're in a new place. We're in uncharted territory trying to keep our way of life alive in a strange new world. It is no longer true that if you start a new program, people will show up for it. It is not true anymore that the church is always the center of community activities. Now, this feeling of, of being out of place, of not fitting in, of being exiled, is not a new feeling. This is not a new situation for God's people to find themselves in. In our passage from Jeremiah, we see the Judean people living in Babylon As refugees. Babylon is one of those places in Scripture that if the Bible were a melodrama, the audience should go boo whenever they hear the word Babylon. And these people are stuck living in Babylon among the Babylonian people as refugees. They've been chased out of their home, forced from their homes, and they are stuck there pining for the way that things used to be. When I was in Palestine, we went to a refugee camp, and at the entrance to the camp was this giant key. And when we asked what it meant, we were told it was a symbol representing their deep desire to return to their homes. Many of their homes had been destroyed in war, bulldozed or blown up. Um, Many of their homes had been claimed by occupiers as their own and and moved into by other people. But the owners of those homes, the original owners of the homes, still carry keys to their houses, either around their necks or somewhere in their homes. Um, They keep them in a prominent place as a reminder to keep hope alive that one day they might be able to return home, even though for generations they've not been in that home. And so much like Palestinian refugees holding on to long since unusable house keys, our exiles in today's scripture are hoping to hear from Jeremiah a word from God that tells them when they will be able to go home. But that is not what Jeremiah brings them. Jeremiah tells them, Oh, you're here for the long haul. Put down roots. Get used to it. You're going to be here a while. And that must have felt like quite a depressing word at first to these people living in exile. But Jeremiah is not being morose here. He's not trying to depress the people or make them feel worse than they already feel. He's issuing them an important challenge. When you are stuck in a place you don't want to be, you can still find God there. My Feasting on the Word commentary this week says, yes, we will miss much of the past, but whining and pining about it will not make it reappear. Instead, Jeremiah challenges the Jews in captivity and us to embrace the place where God has us and find ways to be faithful in our living So that others might inquire about our inspiration, our resolve, and our trust, and thereby be drawn into relationship with God. It goes on later to say, no quick fix is appropriate, according to Jeremiah. The exiles' creative flourishing is possible only if they reconcile themselves to their long-term circumstances. Even though they despise their plight, their future depends on their acceptance of it. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare, Jeremiah says about the place in which they find themselves. Yeah, you can't go home. But you can do many of the things that you did at home, just in a new place in a new way. And by doing what you did at home in that new place, everyone will prosper. If they were to just sit around sad and nostalgic all the time, nobody is helped. But if they live and grow and put down roots wherever God placed them, everyone will benefit. So the answer to one of the questions we've been asking ourselves Lately, according to Jeremiah, this question of how do we benefit the community around us, even if it's way different than it used to be, even if it's changed a lot. Jeremiah says we celebrate. We live into where we are, where God placed us. We accept the exile, we put down roots, and we seek the shalom, the wholeness, the wellness of the whole community around us. You cannot control the changing culture around us. Many churches have tried through the years, and it never succeeds. Digging in our heels against the pull just tears our shoes apart. The more we try to do that, the more we demand that culture change to make us comfortable, the more harm we do to ourselves and to those around us. We cannot control the world around us. We can only control our own attitudes and behaviors in spite of the change around us. And note that this is about attitudes and behaviors. Many of us are willing to change one or the other, but both of them is a much harder thing to do. Attitude change is the first step, but it needs to be followed up by action. Some of us are okay changing our attitude, but we have no idea how to change the ways we are acting out our calling. Some of us are willing to grit our teeth and go along with a new way of doing, but our attitude deep down is still one of pining for the old ways and refusing to embrace the new ways. We have to remember that we may not always see the fruit from our perseverance while in exile, Abraham was promised by God to be the father of multitudes, and yet Abraham never lived to see his descendants grow and prosper. Likewise, Jeremiah tells the exiles that they will even have grandchildren born into exile. They may never see the day when they are brought out of exile, so live today. Own the moment you are in and be faithful to it. This isn't just about the well-being of the church, of, of God's community. The future of this congregation is not the only thing at stake here. The life of this faith community isn't all that's at stake. The well-being of all those we come into contact with is what's at stake. Jeremiah says to seek the shalom of your city of exile, not just of yourself in the exile. Sometimes, when you do this, you will wind up in an unexpected, unexpectedly beautiful place that you just have to embrace. I usually take Wednesday mornings off from the gym. Wednesdays and Sundays, those are my days off. But this week, when uh, the workout for Wednesday showed up online the night before, I was really disappointed that I wasn't signed up for class the next morning, because it was my all-time favorite workout It's all running and box jumps and wall ball shots and I love that stuff. So I tried to sign up for class for the next day, but it was full and I got waitlisted for class. And to my dismay, I never got off the waitlist. So I was disappointed by that. I was annoyed that everyone else was complaining they had to do all of this running and I was missing my favorite workout. Uh, But I still wanted to get something in. So I decided to go on a three-mile run on my regular route around Riverview Park. I know exactly where the three miles is, where to go, every turn, every tree, every place that I have to watch for squirrels during acorns. But when I got to the park, I discovered that my regular route was closed, not just closed to cars, but closed to foot traffic and bicycles and everything. So now I had missed my favorite workout and I was going to have to reroute the run I had decided to do as a, as a compensation prize of some sort. And I almost just packed it up at that point and went home and said, forget it. If this isn't gonna go the way I want it to go, I'm leaving, I'm going home. I'm just gonna go have a cup of coffee. But instead, I sucked it up, and I made myself reroute and take the trails through the woods. And after a couple miles, I finally stopped whining to myself and feeling miserable and sorry for myself and all those things we do when stuff doesn't go the way we want it to go. And I started to just embrace the run that I was on. And I came around a bend in the trail, and I was slapped With this beautiful autumn scene that was like something out of a painting or a calendar. And I hadn't even realized autumn had come yet because this was the first day that was below 90 that we've had since like April. And I just had to stop and take it in in that moment. It was like God had just been there sitting in the woods by a tree waiting to meet with me when I got there. And had I gotten into class that morning or not been rerouted from my regular run that I would have taken, I would have missed out on that entirely. You may not be where you want to be personally, perhaps at work or the place that you live or the people that you are stuck doing life with. You may not be where you want to be as a community, but... If you just keep complaining about how things aren't what you expected or how things aren't like they were back at home, you will miss God's beauty in the midst of that exile. God has promised hope and abundant life to those who follow. So sit back and trust that promise. Put down roots where you are and seek the welfare of the city
0: into which God has exiled you. Amen.